We've been uh, taking a hike through the letter of the, to the Ephesians that's found in the Bible. And I've shared with you in the first part of this series, uh, the letter tells us about the mysterious blessing uh, given to Christ followers. We've not only been given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, which is pretty amazing, pretty mysterious, but also we've been given uh, the ability to bear fruit for the Spirit. We've been also given gifts of the Spirit. And then also it says in Ephesians 1.3, it says we've been given every spiritual blessing. And we talked about some of the mystery of that and the spiritual blessings that we've been given. Last week I shared with you how we've also been included into a mysterious community and without any physical borders. And it is held together yet by one, and His name is Jesus Christ. We can cross a spiritual line into this mysterious community. And there are benefits of forgiveness, peace, new life, and real joy as we live with others beneath the cross of Jesus. And we talked about confession and repentance and how we, can, we need to find people who live beneath the cross who it's safe to confess to. And, and that repentance is this entrance into this mysterious community through faith in Christ. What is our response to be to all His blessings? What is our response to be to this community that He's given us? I want to share with you about the mysterious call. The mysterious call. Now, before I do this, I have a, a few warnings. Uh, one, I got this really nasty cold that's coming on. It just hit me overnight. And, uh, and so I'm spitting and, and all kinds of stuff. And it's just nasty things from my nose and mouth. And so you kids might need a towel down here. Uh, that's the first warning, so I just apologize up front about that. The second thing is that um, I want to let you know that um, I'm going to be sharing a portion of my story, and uh, that's not so picture perfect. And uh, when I share it, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward about it. And so I just want you to know that I have four children here that are 12 and under, and so don't worry. I'm not going to say anything too uh, out there that's going to shock them. But if I do say something and your kids afterwards say, Mommy, what was Pastor Shannon talking about when he said this? Um, here's, here's something I want to share with you, just in case. It's a story from Corey Ten Boom. And she said one time when she was with her father going to the, to the train station, uh, and she's a, a woman of faith that lived during World War II, during the Nazi occupation, and uh, when she was going to the train station, uh, she asked her father about what was sex. And her father just looked at her and said, See this suitcase I'm, I'm carrying, Corey? Can you pick that up? And she said, No. And he said, you know what? What you're asking me is too heavy for you to carry right now. So let me just carry it for you. And then when you're strong enough, I'll let you know. I'll tell you. And so you, you might just need to say something like that to your children uh, if they ask you something today about what Pastor Shannon said. So uh, just a little warning. And the other thing that I need to share with you, uh, again, these are all kind of the, uh, the warnings from the doctor before you take this prescription, okay? Uh, before I share about the mysterious call, I want to let you know that I, I, you really can't answer this call unless you've experienced or are operating in the mysterious blessing in the mysterious community. And you see, if you don't first respond to Jesus and what He's done for you at the cross, then this call is meaningless. It's meaningless. It will make no sense to you whatsoever. In fact, people who have tried to answer this mysterious call without first having Jesus in their life They've distorted the call. They've distorted the call into some kind of legalistic, material, I can't even say it, uh, authoritarian, military-like, I can't say the word. I think you got the meaning. All right. But they turn it into this, and they turn it into this thing that would just suck the life out of any 
human being. And what I'm saying is that it is impossible to answer the mysterious call without Jesus Christ first dwelling in your heart by faith, without His mysterious blessing, and without His mysterious community. So what I want you to understand is that there is this reciprocating love that was initiated by the Lord at the cross. See, we now love because He first loved us. 1 John 4.19 Because Jesus loved us first, there springs up in Christ's followers this desire to please Him, to be loyal to Him. And for those who sense this desire and loyalty within them, the Lord has a focus for us. This mysterious call where we are to direct all our desire for Him. Okay? Now, now let me share the opposite of this mysterious call in, in a little parable form. There are some folks who live in our country that for different reasons, they just don't like it. At times, they even despise our country. And the idea of helping America become a better by serving the country, either like by being just a good citizen or being in the military, would never occur to them because they've forgotten, lost, or never known any love for this country, and they don't value the sacrifice of the founding fathers of this country. They have no allegiance, and nobody expects them to. In the same way, I would never expect someone who has no love for Jesus and his bride, the church, I would never expect them to act like a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven or serve in the kingdom because they don't even value the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. So do you understand that the mysterious call, what I'm about to share with you, is only for those who value and have received by faith the sacrifice on the cross. So I'm sorry for those of you who haven't done that, uh, that you f if you feel excluded this morning. But go ahead and listen in because might, there might be some things that you might be able to tune into that, that you might go, oh, okay, now I understand why Christians act the way they do. Okay? And it might clear up some things. So the mysterious call is for those of us who understand that Christ Jesus loved us first and He is the initiator of it all. We are not the initiate, initiators. Right. So that's the end of my use only as prescribed by the doctor warnings to you. Okay? So let me share with you what is this mysterious call. Mysterious call is a mission and a way of life. It's a mission and a way of life that we've been privileged and invited to take part in. In Ephesians chapter 3, and that's the, the letter in the Bible that we've been going through in this series. Ephesians chapter 3, we get the backdrop on this mission. And from Ephesians 4.17 to 6.9, we're given more detailed instructions about this way of life. And there's more details about this way of life than any other part of the New Testament aside from the Sermon on the Mount. So we got all these wonderful things packed into these two chapters. But I just want to share with you briefly today. First, I want you to take a look at the honorable mission in the mysterious call. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read a portion of this to you. As you read over what I've written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves, and this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Ephesians, the mystery of Christ. You'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our times has it been made clear by God's Spirit through His holy apostles and prophets by this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of Him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, the same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. This is my life work helping people understand and respond to the message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came present to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Any of you ever feel like that? All right, there's two of you that are honest with me. All right, 
You and us, all right, we're unqualified. We recognize it. God knows it. Okay, great. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret behind the scenes all along. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about everywhere, even among the angels. So here's the deal. What was that saying? God has included us in a mission. He's asked asked us to be a part of His mission. And and it was kind of what Sue and the kids described for us up here. We've been brought into the kingdom. We've been made insiders. But we don't want to stay here and stay in our little holy huddles. We want to go out to where people are at. We want to go to the outsiders and share with them and invite them to the kingdom. All right? So we were once all outsiders. Then we became insiders. And then we stepped back outside because we don't want to keep it to ourselves. Make sense? All right. That's what God is asking us to be a part of. This is the backdrop of the huge mission that he's invited us to. We are to help present the message to those who have no background in God's ways, to outsiders in hopes they'll become insiders. That's the big, broad mission behind the mysterious call. Now we come to the way of life, the new way of life. This way of life described is to help us in fulfilling our mission. Okay? It's not a set of arbitrary instructions like, you know, you belong to Jesus now, so on Mondays you wear green, and on, only on Wednesdays do you brush your teeth. I mean, it's not just a set of strange instructions just thrown out. These are actually instructions that are to help us live and are beneficial to us. So helping, they help us foster this transformation that Jesus is doing in us to be more like Him. Does that make sense? All right. So in fact, everything in this way of life described in Ephesians 4.17 to 6.9 is centered around Jesus. And really, it can be summed up. You know, if you want to sum up all the instructions that are in this passage, it can be summed up in the Jesus Creed, which is this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people around you. That would be it. If you can't remember anything from today, just remember this one thing. If you answer the mysterious call, what you're answering and what you're doing is loving God with all your heart, with everything you got, and you're loving people. If you want to sum it all down, that's what it is. In answering the mysterious call, this new way of life. Loving God, loving people. The passage in Ephesians explain, is explaining the way of life for Christ followers and his, and who have been called. And what they call this many times, and you'll see sometimes in your Bibles, you'll have this little heading that says, Children of Light. It says, living as children of light. That's what this passage is described as. This way of life is going to stand out like light in the darkness. It's going to defy our culture. So this new way of life is different. There's no way of participating in it and kind of being an undercover child of light. It just doesn't work. What happens when you wake up in the morning and someone flips on the lights when it's dark in the winter or in the fall like it is now? What happens when those lights flip on? You ah, turn it off. It hurts my eyes. But if you leave the light on, what happens? Your eyes adjust to the light. doesn't hurt so much. Well, same thing for you and your outsider friends when they first observe your new way of life. They're going to say, dude, what would you turn that light on for? Stop it. It hurts. I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable to me. 
But let me tell you this, if you turn off the light, if you turn off this new way of life, their eyes are never going to get adjusted to the light. And so you can't give them a light show, okay? You can't go, now I'm on, now I'm off, now I'm on, now I'm off, right? Because their eyes will just never adjust to the light. What this new way of life is asking for is that it calls for courage and it calls for consistency. Leave the light on, all right? Now let me read the first part of this passage in Ephesians 4.17. It says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To, be, to, to put, on, put off your old self, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." Okay, so what in the world does that mean? Let me share with you just a little. You've been called to a new way of life since Christ came into your life. This way of life will first call upon your love for God and ask if you love God more than your old ways, your old selfish desires. It's asking you to love God more than your old ways, okay? It says that this new way of life will be a choice for you every day. Just like you choose to put on clothes every day, Clothe yourself with an attitude that did not exist before. It's not asking you to fake it. It's not asking you to pretend. It's asking you to put it off, to turn it off, and to put on a new attitude, and to climb into this new person that Jesus is making out of you. The Apostle Paul says that this is going to be hard because all of us at one point or another have had our hearts hardened by this world, and we've lost sensitivity. You ever heard of being calloused? A person is really calloused. Well, we probably mean that their, their heart just seems like they're kind of cold person, not very warm, whatever. I, I, I play guitar, and so I have calluses on my fingers right here. And so I, when I play the guitar, it doesn't hurt my fingers. I, I can play for hours, and it doesn't bother me at all because i got these calluses, and it, it keeps my nerve endings from being in contact with those strings. And so, but every once in a while, my calluses will peel off, and the skin under it is kind of fresh. And the nerve endings on my fingers come back in contact with those strings, and it's a little tender. It hurts, and I, and I, I, I don't play as long. Well, the same way, same way, it's time, from time to time, calluses peel away. And for us, the same thing. God desires the callus on our hearts to be peeled away. Because He says, in this life and in this world system, we've kind of gotten hardened. We've gotten calloused. And He wants it pulled away so that we can, our spiritual senses can have full contact with Him again. Sensitivity. What are your senses? Sight, smell, sound, touch, taste. Those are your senses. Have you heard of desensitization? You hear about when, you, when you, people talk about our culture and movies and TV and how we become desensitized to violence and things like that. But probably for us when you talk about our senses our physical senses it probably happens uh, we most recognize it with our sense of smell you walk into our house with a certain fragrance and you immediately recognize this strong smell and you just smell it but over a short period of time 
you stop distinguishing that fragrance. Fragrance because your senses have become overloaded. The Bible says that we have become desensitized spiritually. And we may have recognized sin at one point, but we've become so accustomed to our sin-saturated world, we can't really distinguish anymore between right and wrong, evil and good, and the difference between what is holy and what is unholy. Now back to our Jesus Creed, what does this mean? And in, in, in terms of this new way of life, here is kind of what happens. Here is where Jesus is, and He calls us. He calls us to loving God and loving people. It's way up here. Now here's... Here's where the church is in our reality of trying to meet that call and to love God and to love people the way He wants us to. We're, we're down here. And then, and then, if I had a third hand, I'd use it right now. But uh, Okay, so that's still up here. Okay, it hasn't disappeared. But anyway, down here, we, we got the world and the, how they try to love God and love people. Okay? And see, we, we like to compare ourselves to the world because we compare ourselves to the world and we say, hey, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? But you see what happens in our culture over time is that we just keep slowly becoming more desensitized, more calloused, and we keep getting farther and farther away. And as a church, hey, we're still, we're still doing better than the world, so we think we're doing all right. But really, what Jesus is calling, to, calling us to is right up here. This is how He wants us to love God and love people. Way up here. But we just keep sliding down with the world. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. We've become desensitized. And it's happening all over. It's not just this group of people. It's happening all over our country. It's happening all over the world with the church on earth and the world system. The world system and its culture continues to become hardened, more desensitized towards God. And we, the church, tend to follow the world. We compare ourselves to the world and... It's not the thing we should be comparing ourselves to. You see, Jesus is mysteriously calling us back to Him. He's calling us back to Him. Jesus is the standard for this new way of life. He is the standard. Not the world. The world isn't our comparison. Jesus is our comparison. Jesus is the standard for this new way of life, not the world system. He is saying to us, wake up from your sleep in the darkness. Climb out of your old way of life like climbing out of a coffin. And I didn't know there was going to be a coffin in the hallway this morning. But it's our object lesson for today. I'm making it our object lesson. Climb out of it like climbing out of a coffin. Let your eyes readjust to my light and become resensitized, fully alive to the light. Ephesians 5.14 the mysterious call is a wake-up call to become fully sensitive and hearts alive to Jesus and the way of life He desires for us. Let me just share with you just a few of these instructions that are found here in this passage called the children of light. The Lord desires us not to lie and to stop being fakes. He desires us to speak the truth to one another and to speak it in love. You can read more on about this new way of life. And it says that we can be angry, but the Lord doesn't want us to stay angry because we put ourselves in danger of sinning when we stay angry. Some of the best advice came from my father-in-law and mother-in-law on this verse. They said, don't let the sun go down on your anger while you're still angry. Ephesians 4.26. He and his uh, wife, they decided that they would always work out any problems before they went to bed at night. And then they would joke about how they never did get much sleep the first few years of marriage. But Sherry and I have made the same arrangement in our family and in our marriage. 
And uh, we try to go to bed without anger. And we try to work it out. And if we can't work it out totally, we try to work it to a point where we say, we, we can reassure each other of our love and say, hey, we'll continue this conversation in the morning, but I want you to know I love you. Always. And that's what we try to do. Not let the sun go down while we're still angry. Keeping a short account of wrongs. In this new way of life, of loving God and loving people, the Lord desires us to work with our hands for the purposes of being not only to care for our own needs, but also the ability to share with others. In this new way of life, we are told that we, we have better uses for language than gossip, foul, or dirty language and jokes. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect, and every word is to be a gift to help others and to encourage and build them up. We are told in this new way of life that there isn't to be a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, or greed because it just doesn't fit in a life of loving God and loving people. You know, God has really used this verse to convict and align my life with His new way of living. At 14 years old, I was pretty naive about what was included in the words sexual immorality. I remember participating in an anonymous survey done by our youth group leaders. And they were asking youth how far they would go sexually. And I had no knowledge of the Scriptures at the time and uh, compared to the other kids. So when the survey results went up on the screens and they were showing how our youth group scored on this, on this survey, there was one person who said they were going a lot further than everybody else in the room. And that was me. And I was shocked. I was going, whoa, either everybody in here was lying or I was a heathen. And actually, both were true. <laughs> everybody was, was lying and I was a heathen. I had no idea about this. I, I had never read the Bible before in my life up to this point. And it was the first time I'd heard some of this teaching. And so I was shocked, but yet I was starting to get an idea from the teaching that followed that what sexual immorality was. But I didn't ever draw a line for myself. And I would say I would go no further physically than this. I never drew a line. And a year and a half, well, not long after that, I gave my heart to the Lord. I understood what He did for me on the cross. And so my, my loyalties was to Him and not to the world system. And, and, but I was still figuring out how I was supposed to try to please him. And, and it was a year and a half into this, of trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in this new way of life, that I, I started dating. And I started dating this girl that was pretty aggressive. And uh, my hands went places that they shouldn't have gone. And I did things that I shouldn't have done. Nobody had to tell me that it was wrong. The Lord convicted my heart and made it clear I'd crossed the line into what was sexual immorality. You know, and this went on for months, always remaining a technical virgin, because, hey, I'm not going to do things like the world. You know, I was, I was doing this thing. See, I'm still better in the world. I'm all right. Yeah. And so, I, you know, technical virgin. But uh, I was guilty. I was just guilty. I was miserable. I was really miserable in, this, in, in what I was doing. And, of course, you know, guys, how we compartmentalize everything in our lives. You know, this, this is compartmentalized over here. And I was still reading the Bible every day. I was still going to church. I was still meeting with other believers. It wasn't like I was going off and, and I was... Anyway, it was just one of those things where it was just like I kept it separated from the rest of my life. It was like, this is on the periphery. Jesus, you can, you can be right here, but not over there, right? So, and there were a few times when, when I was just overcome with guilt. And so I'd talk with this girl and I would say, hey, you know what? This, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. And she didn't understand because her heart wasn't loyal to Jesus Christ. She'd never been to the cross. And so it made no sense to her. She was like, what are you doing? Trying to put a guilt trip on me? What's your problem? 
So then I would try to invite her to church, and hopefully, you know, she would understand or whatever. And blah, 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 blah. This went on forever and ever for a year and a half. And I, I remember after a year of this relationship, I remember driving home after being with this girl. And, and I, you know, I was driving home in my car, and, and I was listening to the stereo, and I had a, some Christian tunes, you know, some tunes playing with some Christian lyrics playing. I was singing along after I'd just been sinning with my girlfriend, and, and I was driving along. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I wasn't trying to think about the Bible. I wasn't trying to think about Jesus. I wasn't trying to think about anything like that. I was just being absent-minded. All of a sudden, man, it hit me. It hit me, the difference between my life and this new way of life that Jesus was calling me to. And I, my heart was convicted. There was real, it wasn't guilt. It wasn't, wasn't this false guilt. It was a real conviction. And I just started weeping. And I, I started weeping so much I had to pull over so I didn't wreck. And I just stopped. And this is why I remember this moment. Because it was very real to me. And, and when I went home, I got on the phone and I called this girl. I'm sorry, we, we tried to make this work. And, and I, I, I got some different loyalties in my life. And I tried to explain it the best I could. And I was horrible at it, explaining why. But I said, we got to end this relationship. It's done. It's over. And it wasn't, there was none of that going back and forth, going, oh, let's, let's break up, let's go together again, break up, go together again, because we like to be together physically. There was none of that. It was done. It was over. That, that sin in my life had died. That part of my old life got in the coffin, or got on the cross, and was crucified. And a new person got up. A new life. I didn't date after that. I didn't do any dating after that. I, I, just, I was, I was gun-shy because I thought I'd, I'd screw up again. So I just went out with groups of people. And that's what I did. And, but later, I did meet the girl that I wanted to marry. And, uh, and that's Sherry. You all know her. And before we ever held hands or before we ever kissed, we drew a line of how far it was too far. We talked about it. We said, okay, hugging and kissing. That's it. Not going to cross that line. And during our engagement course, uh, we, we had to define that line a little more. You know, I, I had to say, and this was me, I'm sorry, I can't hug you that one way or kiss you this long because that's just a little bit too much for me. And, and I remember times when we'd be in my little Honda Civic and we'd be out on a date and, you know, we'd be kissing in the car and everything and, and it, it'd be getting a little warm in the car. And, and I just, I just say, you know, we'd, first we'd try to be real holy about it and say, let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> that didn't work. But what did work was I got out of the car and we ran around the car, did a few laps, and we did jumping jacks. Gets the blood pumping in a different direction. Helps. Remember that. It works. Great tip from your pastor. Also, we have an abstinence program back in our nursery. If you want to go back there and change dirty diapers, try it out. It works. It works. But uh, it wasn't always easy, but we both made it to our wedding day without crossing a line. And it was all about me aligning my life to a new way of life. And it required putting down my own desires aside and putting them down and aside out of a love and a loyalty to Jesus Christ and asking His help to actually have the power to live out those choices every day. Look, there, there are other instructions in here uh, of life, of how we're to live our relationships, how we're to uh, submit to one another our reverence for Christ, how we're to live as husbands, wives, children, parents, as employers, as employees. But let me just sum up what the rest of this passage says. 
Ephesians 5.1 has one of these summation verses, and it says this. It tells us to be imitators of God. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. What the saying is, is if you love God, then imitate Him like a child mimicking his parent. It's follow the leader. We're following Jesus. He is our standard. Remember, way up here. So study the Scriptures. See what Jesus did and try to figure out why He did what He did so that you can not only imitate His actions, but also His heart behind His actions. Second summation verse is found in Ephesians, or verses found in Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. It says this, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. It's a discovery. It's a discovery deal. Find out, discover what pleases the Lord. I'm telling you, you can find out what pleases Him. You can find out in this passage, other parts of the Bible. Go to the Sermon on the Mount, read that. You'll find out what pleases Him. And then do it. Do it. Find out what He loves. Find out what He hates. Find out what makes Him weep. Find out what makes Him laugh. And yes, God does laugh. Find out and learn to imitate His heart. You were given on your seats, there was this uh, little folded sheet. Inside it is, the, is the Ephesians passage there. And also on the front of it is, is a prayer, much more simple than the prayer we prayed uh, in our service today, but kind of the, basically the same heart. The same, Lord, mold me. Show me what, what you love. Show me what you hate. Show me what you, what you weep over, what you laugh over, and help me to do the same. Shape me like you. And today... What I'm challenging you to is to answer the mysterious call. To answer the mysterious call, to imitate our Lord, to be like Him, to be a child of light, to discover this new way of life, and to live this new way of life because it will help you in our mission, in the mysterious call of helping outsiders become insiders. When you answer this mysterious call, you're giving up the game of minimum integrity. You're giving it up. You're not going to play that game any longer. When you're doing this, you're saying that Jesus is the standard. You're saying that I'm going to defy culture. I'm going to go against the flow when I do this because I'm going to be light shining in the darkness. And there's no way that I can hide this light. This morning, what I want to ask you to do, I want to ask you to commit to being a child of light. To pray and, and to pray this prayer. Really, that's what I'd like to see happen is this group of people here that when you leave this place, that you would keep this little sheet of paper, that you would read this. I don't know what, what you can commit to during the week or just, I mean, again, you got Bibles. You could open up the Bibles if you lose the piece of paper or whatever. But I'm just saying it's there to remind you. And I'd love for our church as a body that we'd be praying this and reading this and going, God, resensitize to my heart so I can even tell the difference between right and wrong. What is good and evil? What is holy? What is unholy? Because right now, I mean, I'm so used to this world and its culture, I have no clue. Right now, the guys, they're going to come up and, and play a song. As they're playing a song, I'd like this to be a time of just praying, Lord, Lord, make, make my heart like yours. As you're praying, to, to ask Him to, to shape Him. Shape you like Him. So we're going to finish in this time just kind of an attitude of prayer. Just asking the Lord to shape us. And I know that, again, here there might be some of us that are just saying, 
you know what, I, I need a, a person who lives beneath the cross, who understands my sin, that I can just confess to a brother or sister in Christ. And so uh, I'll be right over here if you want to talk with me. Uh, my wife will be around here, and, uh, but we'd love to talk with you, pray with you. There's other men here, Jeff Manning, James Nysong. Uh, there's some women, Michelle uh, Sullivan and Mary Worthy. Uh, they're here. They'd love to be able to just to talk with you, encourage you. As we, as we pray about this also, I, I just want you to know that uh, we're all at different journeys in this. And, and the Lord works with us in shaping us. So some of us here today are like I was when, when I was a heathen and everybody was lying at that place. Some of us are just, we haven't even made our hearts loyal to Christ yet. So let's have grace for these folks and not expect them to live like citizens of the kingdom if they haven't given their hearts to Christ, okay? Let's be gracious. Then there's going to be other folks who are like at, at my stage of life when, when I had given my heart to Christ, but I was, I was involved in sin and I, I just, I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know, I, I wasn't strong. And we just need to have grace for those folks too. And we just need to pray. God will strengthen them to be able to walk away and to walk towards the new life, the new life that we have. And then there's folks, man, you're just doing awesome. You're doing awesome in this new way of life and it's a joy and there's real life in it and it's wonderful. And just again, I, I just say have grace, grace for everyone. And let's pray for each other as a church. We can have a heart more like Christ. Stub, we say thank you. Thank you for making us alive. And Lord, we just want to give our loyalty to you. Lord, just to answer the mysterious call. To love you with all we got, with, with our guts, Lord. And to, to love the people around us. To follow your way, this new way of life. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us and empower us. And Lord, that you would hear our prayers as we ask you to shape us to be like you. As we open up your word and we look in the Ephesians passage and we look in the Sermon on the Mount and we look about your instructions on this new way of life and following you. Lord, that you would, you would show us that we'll be able to find out what pleases you. Lord, I thank you for this group of people. Thank you for how you're transforming us, changing us. Lord, uh, we know that for all of us, there's, there's a part of us that's got to die and there's a part of us that's got to come alive. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you keep doing that work of the cross in us part of us that needs to die would die and Lord that you'd help resurrect and make alive that part of you that you put in us and that it would win in Jesus name Amen